Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Fire. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts, Lord of the JavaScript. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into a Storm of Swords Daenerys, Danny 2. Matt, how are you doing? I'm fired up, man. You want to know why? Wait, is it another cookbook? No, but let me tell you. Did you know that something else is coming out? Something oh, people we, we have been waiting for for a long time, okay? This is it, all right? People <laughs> have been waiting since the early 2010s, okay? Something was began, and it was in development, okay? And people have been waiting and waiting, and finally announced today, it is coming. Not Winds of Winter, but Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> it is coming before... Winds of winter. Can you? I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I, oh, that's the first I'm, thing I thought of when I saw the announcement. I was like, well, it beat oh, winds. Gosh. It beat winds. Because that <laughs> thing like seemed like it was never coming out. I thought winds would hit, come out before. We should take the poll. New Elder Scrolls game or Winds of Winter first? Which one comes out first? Wow, man. I don't know, but I love both those fantasy worlds so much. I'll tell you which one I want. And it's not the video game. <laughs> <laughs> wins a, a winner. I know. Uh, I think he this week, though. Oh, yeah. He's, he's he put everybody on blast. Yeah. He said, What people think I'm doing, it's like him dancing like, with aliens. And what I'm really doing, and him at a desk writing. He's writing, man. So he put he put everybody on blast. I loved it. I was going to bring that point up, too. George, the meme Lord Martin, dude, just Love absolutely it. bodied us. Yeah. He said, He said, I'm out here writing. Although I did see really the comment is. you said, I, you, I did see the comment about the cookbook where he said 2025, and he's like, yeah, I might not. Uh... Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think maybe he was being tongue-in-cheek. Come on, George. Believe in yourself a little bit. Well, he come said on. maybe. He said he said it might come out before it. <laughs> for, him to, for, him to say, for him to say that wins might come out by 2025, though, like, maybe I mean. He didn't tell us that it was going to come out in 2020, or we could lock him in a prison. <laughs> Yeah, but that's but that's I still think that it's a different sentiment, though. You can tell I will say this. You can tell he's made progress in the way he talks about it. Yeah, I, it, I would agree it, yeah, it, it definitely is. But speaking of uh, progress on 
Well, I guess how we doing, Jimmy? You know, before we dive into the news, the news is just exciting, so I want to talk about it. But let's let's dive in. How we how we feel? I thought you would never ask. Um, well, I'm, I'm asking. Okay. Now. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I have no major life events to report on. Uh, I do not have staph infection anymore, so that's a plus. Let's go, Sir Jimmy the Healed. He went to the Citadel, I saw did. Sam, and he got the grayscale cut off. It, it's gone. Face. It is finally gone. I'm back to jujitsu, so I can go catch it again. So that's great. But I'll tell you what, man, I hit a um, a good old switch on a wrestler tonight. That jujitsu felt really nice. Yeah. I know that no one knows what I'm talking about when I say that, but like, it felt really good, and I strangled him. So. Oh, there things you go. are good that's what i'm you saying know, I, things are good you know what i just started watching a little bit uh randomly uh because i had a buddy say that he watched it and i was like let me check this out he said sumo wrestling i was like so i watched a little oh bit. my god no what what is with this dude my my friend andrew literally i, I don't know i just japan so he could go see sumo wrestling what well where is it on tiktok what is it i don't know man i just one of the one of my buddies is a doctor and he's 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 going to japan because his like son's like studying there or something he's gonna go see sumo but he's like tell me he's like i got real into it and so I was like, all right, well, let me watch it. And I was like, this is kind of, it's kind of cool. You know, everyone around me is getting into sumo wrestling. Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I, I love alternative sports, you know, like anything outside of the NFL and basketball and baseball, but I can't uh, get you to watch mixed martial arts. You you won't, you won't. Sit no, I, no, I have, I have, well, I not with you. So I, but I, I'm down to watch MMA. I, I've been actually, you have caused me to watch a little more MMA. Um, than I have in the past. And actually I've been, I've been studying quite a lot about that UFC company now that it's merged with WWE. Cause I'm like, this might be a good stock to buy. So I'm definitely been uh, researching it because I did the WWE side of it, but I don't know the MMA side of it. Well, there's a lot of stuff happening in media right now where like things are being kind of combined. Things are selling off. There's, there's a lot of scaling down. And I think that that's going to have an impact on Westerosi TV for for the good. But I, did you see yeah. that Netflix is announcing that they're cutting their production of movies in half? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on with the. Uh, I think this is good. I think that these companies I, were making hand over fist on the mar stock market. And now that it's it's kind of come down, like they, they are going to have to get back to like, oh, we actually need to like cut back and make some quality stuff, hopefully. Right. And. The reason why I think this relates to Westeros TV is the news that me and you were talking about before we started recording. And that's the fact that, uh, well, we hear it from HBO that uh, any of the other spinoff shows that aren't Dunkin' Egg or Night of the Seven Kingdoms and House right. of the Dragon are not, quote, close to being greenlit. Yes, like they're not even considering them, really. Yes. But last time uh, you and I talked, by the way, because we haven't talked about it since. Um they did officially say that Duncan Egg is coming is right. is is officially filming in 2024. We were yeah. What did you know, we do? We, we didn't even we, talk about we, it. Well, we had that we had that tease last week, right? Which was the mm -hmm. the casting, which seemed like it was for that. They actually still haven't confirmed that that is casting for Duncan Egg yet. I mean, I think I mean, it's it obvious, right? Yeah, I mean, but 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 they have they have sort of done that. But so we now officially Duncan Egg is filming in. Uh, 2024 house of the dragon was also officially announced to be coming summer of 2024 and there's been a lot of inside rumors that people have um like you know like variety and some of these people those media outlets have seen the teaser trailer for it and that they have all said it looks amazing 
they said it looks it is a pure it is the the thing i saw on twitter said a return to like a true return to form in westeros like game of thrones like season four season five yeah like i have heard nothing but positive things about the trailer and for the people who got this and we should be seeing it soon and that was not the case for house of the dragon season one people seemed optimistic but it wasn't like you know watch this like it was kind of like okay like we'll see i mean they're doing some things but this one people are like really pushing it so i'm hoping that the hype is i mean obviously it's going to be a competent television show we're past the time skips and stuff i think house of the dragon season two is going to be an absolute bang up uh job but yeah there's gonna be no time skips it's gonna be huge bro 2024 spring 2024 filming a night of the seven kingdoms you know what that means that the release date is going to offset house of the dragon so in that painful year to year and a half where we don't have house of the dragon we will be watching a night of the seven kingdoms folks that means like basically once a year we can pretty much guarantee we'll have a westerosi tv show and you're going to be able to listen to us break it down here on bend the knee so make sure to hit that subscribe button let's go yeah (laughs) that's great man that's how that's exactly how you do it um most of the people who listen are on the podcast they're already subscribed uh we we appreciate we appreciate you we do we we do (laughs) yeah um and actually you know it's one of the things you and i were talking about this beforehand just before we hit record here talking about like you know like my star wars burnout where Mm -hmm. i just i'm so burnt out with star wars like it, it just to like because like ahsoka came out and it was like this you know i should have been so pumped for that show but it's like star wars is also in, impacted in a way by marvel right because the way disney releases oh, yeah. stuff is like you have a marvel show then you have a star wars show so you're constantly like trying to keep up with one and jumping back and forth and um star wars does also have a problem that i could see house of the drag uh, game of thrones verse getting into a little bit where like the kind of cool thing about Marvel is the stories we get are pretty much going forward. Every once in a while you get a, you know, you get a, a thing that goes back in time or something. But Star Wars, the big problem there is all these shows are coming out. And I don't know how people who are just like, oh, here's a new Star Wars show, like click onto it. Because you're, the Star Wars timeline is literally all over the place of where you're going. It's like, okay, this is like the Mandalorian. Okay, we're 10 years after Return of the Jedi, but we're like 20 years before the sequel movies. Oh, and then these characters, oh yeah, they were in Star Wars Rebels, so like the Ahsoka show. It's like these new characters that are in this season of Ahsoka. Oh yeah, you have to watch Star Wars Rebels. Well, when's that? Well, that's like a couple years before episode four, which is, you know, in that 20-year time gap after episode three. And it's like, I really... I'm glad that we're not going to be going crazy with Game of Thrones shows because the timeline, we're all going to face it here. Okay, so House of the Dragon, that's like 150 years before. Cool. Next, we're going to have Duncan Egg, which is what? Like 100 years before the main show. 100 years before the main show. We're a little bit after House of the Dragon, but it's not going to be like, that's why I kind of was nervous about like that long night show that they originally had because it's so far removed. But then it's like, okay, then we, then they have these other shows planned. Like, what do we do in Aegon, Aegon's Conquest? Well, okay, well, that's like 300 years before Game of Thrones, which is 100 years, you know, and it gets too much. Yeah, and, and that's why when I heard that, you know, for instance, Snow, which I think you and I, out of everyone that's in this fandom, especially creator-wise, I think we're the only people who are willing to give it a shot. <laughs> Like we're oh, like, I'm oh, all, hey, I'm I'm all late on snow. Yeah, me and you were both like, you know what? Why not? Like, we might as well if they're gonna make it, we'll watch it and we'll judge it for what it is. Um, mm-hmm. but like 
it's not a bad thing to hear that it's not close to being greenlit. It's not it's not a bad thing to to know these other shows that are, I would say, a lot more removed from stuff George has worked on in the past uh, to, to, to not be greenlit because we're not going to be overburdened. I think two shows running congr- like, you know, opposite of one another in times of the year is a perfectly fine thing to do. They're also very different stories, still set in the familiar place, but they are very different in tone. And yeah. I, I just think that they're doing different things, right? One is a big family drama. One is a coming of age story with also a, a man who's trying to find himself, you know, a, a really a coming of age for dunk as well as egg actually. Yeah. And I think that those, those shows work in, in unison very well together. Um, more is not always better. I think yeah. less is more is actually have been more true in my life uh, the, than the other way around. So I, I think that overall, this is probably a good thing. And with studios cutting back, you know, they're only going to want the cream that rises to the top. And it's pretty clear yes. that Westeros is a property that they feel comfortable in. And I think in addition to that, one of the reasons why these shows are being greenlit and not the other ones is simply because there is a lot of these shows written by George. George has written some of these stories uh fire and blood's finished duncan egg obviously is not but like there's still actual real long material to go off of there and let's be honest george martin's recipe has worked for making hit television shows it worked whenever he worked on twilight zone it worked obviously for game of thrones uh the man knows television and people like his stories so I think it's a way more of a likely success to be doing Duncan egg and fire and blood than for, you know, say even snow or 10,000 ships or whatever else there is. So I'm optimistic about this man. And if, if these are the only two other shows ever made outside of game of Thrones and we never get another one, I'll be so glad that they were Duncan egg and fire and blood. Yeah, I do think we're going to see more. And I wanted to, I was trying to find this um, article. So one of the things that Warner Brothers kind of announced, not not like announced, but it was like part of this, because they interviewed Casey Bloss, who's like the HBO head. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't just about like Game of Thrones, but that's obviously one of the big things. Is they said that um, they are, Warner Brothers once is going to begin hiring somebody that they're going to be calling like the, I don't know, head of franchise or something somebody that's going to be like the head person who's going to oversee like the big core verses i guess is now like the new <laughs> thing like so, like somebody who's going to be like all right i want to make sure like almost kind of it's like slightly above the way marvel does or like you have like kathleen kennedy who's in charge of like star wars and lucasfilm and then you have like feige who's in charge of like marvel they want to have like a person who's like essentially above that who's like making sure that like this is the going to be like the point person to go to to be like okay Harry Potter DC, you know all of these things um, working congruently and Game of Thrones Westeros they said was one of those you know big core pillar and it is good to hear them talk more and more about how they view like Westeros as like a major property because so far it's only been kind of like, it's been like HBO's baby but now mm-hmm. it seems like they're going to be like no they, like we want this to be bigger and better and I do think we could eventually see some like Game of Thrones movies yeah i think movies are, are are a possibility i also do think that there may be a market for a retelling of the main show through animation yeah yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i'm there too i mean good god dude could you imagine if they get if they hired somebody like is it david villanuevo who's the yeah. dune director oh my no no could you don't, don't could, tease could you could you imagine if they were like hey because he's already in the warner brother wheelhouse we're thinking Aegon's conquest man 
you know, my mind, I would, it would be so epic. And I know, I know, I know some people are also mixed on him. Somebody else I would love to see. I know. And his track record with Warner brothers right now is not particularly great. Um, Good God. I, I would love to see a Zack Snyder game of Thrones, something. It would just be Hmm. so good. Like (laughs) the one that kind of pops out to me would be Ridley Scott. Because yeah. he did, he's done so many things in that epic scale, and a lot of it being historical. That I think that he would do a great job. By the way, I'm going to go see uh, Napoleon on my birthday in IMAX. Very excited about oh, it. That should be good. Well, yeah. let's talk about another project which we now have some news, a little bit more news about, and that is Snow. And they said as part of this whole thing, they said Snow is nowhere close to being greenlit. Yeah. Um, I'm not shocked because I feel like Jon Snow or Kit Harrington uh, started to backpedal a little bit. <laughs> he was very like upfront about it. And then when he started getting asked about it, like, how's it going? And he's like, you know, it's going. Some projects take forever to make. That's true. That's just that's just how it goes. Like Top Gun, Top Gun 2 was in development for like 20 years. Well, let's hope it's not 20 years. Uh, that would that would be unfortunate. I, you know what? It, you know what, though, Matt? And I'm going to I'm going to give you some maybe not props isn't the word, but maybe I'm leaning a little bit more towards your side of this thing, because we, we've been on opposite sides of the fence where you think it's going to be like a full blown new big show. And I said it's going to be more of a character study. The longer it takes to make, the more I feel like it's a bigger production. Yeah. Because a lot of moving wheels, but here's the thing: they also haven't even written a pilot for it. So maybe John's no, maybe I think Harrington doesn't know. They well, they I, the, the big thing is that, and from what they also talked about, they they so they sort of labeled things as like if you read the interview, um, and I was trying to pull it up too, where he talked about snow. He kind of dis, distinctly talked about product projects, and it seemed like he was talking about the stuff that George is involved with is the stuff that he's already written. And it seems like we want to milk George as much as we can while he's still alive because he's getting older, right? Just like lay the groundwork for stuff because, you know, he's like in his 70s. I mean, he might might not, you know, not going to be here forever. But then they talked about like, and he used this, he said like successor, like spinoff successor shows as in like multiple post Game of Thrones shows. So it seems like they're viewing this as like, all right, we've got like the canon stuff, and then we've got like because the they extended could, universe. <laughs> yeah, in a way, but I mean it seems it seems like that's that's is some of the hang up with snow is you know, once we go past the books, now we're into like uncharted territory, and we like we don't if we just like once you've established something in, in that post universe. Now you have to like flesh it out and create like a much bigger world from it. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm saying is like, maybe they're putting that on the ice for now because yeah. like it's a bigger production than they realize. And like, maybe they yeah. want it to go a certain direction and they know that they have to plan ahead. Yeah. Who knows? Honestly, yeah. all I know is that we're going to get the Duncan egg show. Let's yeah. Go. I will say, I will say real quickly on snow. And the reason I'm still the most excited for that show is because Right now I'm watching and I'm actually fine. I'm actually fine with, like you said, if it takes like, let's say it doesn't come out for seven years. So Kate Harrington is going to be older. It's going to be like a different Mm -hmm. story. So right now is the new season of my single most favorite show ever, which sadly is Dragon Ball. No, Frasier is my single most favorite show ever. I have watched Cheers, Frasier, and now the new show. 
But real quickly, here's the analogy I want to make is that Kelsey Grammer was born to play that role. And it's he, he even seeing him step back into it like years later and everything flawless. Like Kit Harrington is meant to play Jon Snow, whether we see him in a year playing Jon Snow or we see him a little bit older playing him in a couple of years. As soon as we see him step back on as Jon Snow. No, no time will fail. Yeah, dude, I just it's just my it's just it's my jam, man. I don't I just I've seen it. It's my jam, man. I mean, I guess. I love guess. it. Have you ever heard of Game of Thrones? Yeah, I love Game of Thrones too. It's up. There I don't too. see you making a Frasier podcast, Matt. I could. You know why? Frasier sucks. <laughs> no, dude. Nap, 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 nap. I've seen it all. I know I that was like the first multiverse. You know, Listen, I mean, that was like you've the seen first them one. You've seen them all. They're all the same. It's all. It's like it's, the, all it's like the second highest uh, rated show ever behind. Yeah, uh, Justin Bieber sold nine million records. I don't give a shit. Well, hey man, it's my jam. Love it. <laughs> I'm just hating. I might go have some tossed salad and scrambled eggs after right after we finish. You're gonna toss your what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's dive into the chapter today because it's a doozy. Okay, it is a With, doozy. This is a big one. This is this is a big one. So we are into Dan, da, Daenerys 2. And here's the thing about the Danny chapters. And I always say this is she's the easiest POV read. If you're only reading her POV chapters because she feels removed from everything else. It feels like her story just goes on on its own because, man, it's been a long time since we had another Daenerys chapter. Yeah, it's only Daenerys 2, and we were in Arya 4, Catelyn 3. I mean, yeah. it really does feel like they're few and far between in this book. But man, the scene she gets in A Storm of Swords, this is where Daenerys Targaryen becomes Daenerys Targaryen. Like, really, yeah, this, this, cha this chapter too. And one of the things I really noticed about this chapter is this is totally, you know, we, we always, George always talks about too, about like when you're reading the POV chapters, unreliable narrators. And um perspective right of the, of the mm -hmm. narration and stuff like that this chapter might be like the the poster boy for that because there's a lot of stuff in this chapter when you're reading it there's no way it's possible like and well i'll, I'll get to it and you'll see, you'll okay. see you'll, i'm very you'll interested see, in you'll see what i mean like 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 i i did the math there's no there's no way some of the things that the um guy selling the unsullied to Danny is talking like the way they're raised and stuff like that. Like he's totally lying out of his teeth. There's, there's just no, there's no way like that's not even feasible. Like you can't, it's not even possible. So I mean, we'll pass him. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. He's a salesman. You're right. But Dan, Danny's kind of like believing it. Right. We'll, we'll get to it. So Daenerys and one other, one of the master slavers at Astapor are discussing the purchase of Unsullied through a translator. Dan Danny is pretending not to know High Valyrian speech, but she understands everything the slaver is saying to the translator. Uh, Krasnus demonstrates the loyalty of the Unsullied, how the eunuchs follow every command given to them and feel hardly any pain. But both Danny and Artiston, or, you know, Artiston Whitebeard, we know he's. Yeah, it's Barristan. It's, Barristan. it's Barristan. Yeah. yeah. Are horrified by the conditions of the unsullied live under and the brutality of their training. The slaver indicates he has 8,000 unsullied currently for sale. Danny informs him she will spend the night to consider the offer. Arston is 
against the use of slaves when sell swords can be bought in the free cities. He insists that if Daenerys lands in Westeros at the head of a at the head of a slave army, many of the realm's people will oppose her for no more reasons than the abhorrence of slavery. Danny is, however, too proud to go back to Pentos as a beggar, not after seeing what it did to her brother, how bitter and angry, how and angry constantly begging him for help left him. Lonely since her husband's death and confused over Jorah Mormont's advances on her, Danny takes Eerie as a lover one night, the Dothraki handmaiden more than willing to please her Khaleesi. But Daenerys finds no release, only guilt over treating her handmaid as a bed slave. The next morning, when Jorah comes to speak with her, Danny snaps at him. She despises Astapor and has only contempt for the Unsullied, but she recognizes that they are too useful to pass up. Sir Jorah also gives Daenerys more food for thought on hiring the Unsullied, pointing out that they don't rape nor put to the sword the population of cities uh, you know, they've conquered unless specifically ordered to, minimizing the minimizing the bloodshed that will and the usefulness occur when Danny starts the war to reclaim her throne. He also points out uh, their usefulness in answering Daenerys's query as to why Astapor has never been sacked since any enemy attacking would face the entire garrison of the Unsullied. There are few neighboring cities and nations that pose a threat, and the combination of the Unsullied's reputation and heavy bribes offered to Aspar's rulers are enough to dissuade passing Dothraki Kalasars from attacking the city. Danny is tempted knowing that Viserys would purchase as many Unsullied as he could, but she questions if she can be anything like Rhaegar, to whom Artisan uh, and Jorah keeps comparing her. If the loyalty of her men is only based on her being bought and paid for, Sir Jorah points out that Rhaegar's honor and the loyalty he inspired in his men didn't save him from dying at the trident. The last so, lines this chapter are pretty amazing, by the way. Well, like we that whole last paragraph, that that entire brick of text is so good. Well, uh, let's let's read because this is a this is a quite long chapter, so I don't know that we're gonna do like a big, um, you know breakdown of it like where we like we normally do where we go like you know try to like paragraph yeah we don't have to go chronologically through it no yeah but i want to i want to talk about the numbers here and the unreliable sort of narrator so when he's explaining the way they make these unsullied right they talk about well then we get then they're for a year we give them a dog and after the year they have to kill the dog right so according to these numbers jimmy you would have to have like it's like out of 10,000 people who apply only 1,000 make it. And you, how many dogs die along the way and how many children are there? You know? So I found this on Reddit and this is a breakdown of the numbers because, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, this is like a guy just being a salesman. I'm not saying the unsullied aren't hardcore, but there's just no way that the actual like numbers work for this. So to train one unsullied, they'd have to kill two trainees somewhere under three dogs and one newborn, leaving the dogs aside. That's three people dead for each soldier. In other words, to train one unsullied, you'd spend four years. And after you get one unsullied after several years, that's not taking in the cost of the people you need to actually do the training, the feeding, the housing of the dogs, you know, drugging and whatnot for years before you ever see repayment even further down the road. The Unsullied on display range from 14 to 20, according to Danny. And according to uh, Krosnys, it takes 10 years to train them. In the next chapter, 
there are stated to be 2,000 in training. So at the end of that, they'll have to kill 2,000 infants to find 6,000 more five-year-olds, you know, to take up for the next batch as they can ex expect to lose two-thirds. There are 8,000 unsullied in the city. So I guess there's usually about to be a one-to-four ratio of in-training slash training unsullied. Jorah says that they do use the garrison for their own defense if needed. That might have been better saved with the policy of never selling more than a third at the same time, you know, under any condition. As the training is a long process to keep up their stock, you know, in garrison and still be ready for some, you know, sudden demand of people trying to come in and buy them, the Astapori would need to have their creation of Unsullied more or less match the outflow over the long term. You can't sell them at a good price if they're too old. So if they add 2,000 roughly every 10 years, they also have to sell 2,000 roughly every 10 years or about 200 per year for the training of the Unsullied that they can expect about 200 surviving recruits. So like, it just goes on and on and on, right? Uh, you know, so like, and it's just like the numbers just don't even come close to add to adding up. Now, is this an oversight by George or is this actually him lying about the actual training process of it? Yeah, I mean, the guy is probably overselling it a bit, but this is the best part about it is that like George could have just not have considered this, but we get, you can scapegoat it by saying the guy's a liar, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so what do we think? So, I mean, obviously these guys are hardcore, but I just don't, they just can't be killing all these many people in order to actually get in. Cause there's just not enough people, you know, you have the people to train these dogs and it's just, too, it's too much. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think Danny's buying this whole bit or do you think she's look, I mean, no, I think, I think she believes, I mean, he kind of shows how disciplined they are, which, you know, Marison right. goes, this isn't, this is an order like this is madness. This is disgusting. And I think she sees that, but I think that she knows that she needs an army, which is why when Barrison kind of pushes back and is like, Hey, uh, if you come in with the slave army, people are not going to be happy with you on, on in Westeros. And she's like, well, then where else should I raise my swords? Like, where else do I get my swords from? So I think, I mean, the unsullied are the reputation uh supersedes the lies right like they are obviously feared like it's right. it's a well-known thing they're not they're not new so i think even with his big braggadocious uh sales pitch it doesn't really matter and right. also this entire scene is him thinking he's super smart right he thinks he's the big right. salesman he's been watching the tiktoks about how to be a 10x grinder dude right. bro and yeah uh, he's given the pitch and I, treating her yeah. like crap you know and She's, he gets she's just, he 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 gets up and reads you know the three books that in his house at quad speed and then you know for half an hour before he, right. <laughs> he gets at four a.m. and listens to Jocko and and he he, uh, he, get, he gets up and does three minutes of meditation before an ice bath and then he you know like <laughs> he uh he watches doesn't he doesn't Street. he doesn't he does not buy Starbucks coffee because that's the easiest way to not become a millionaire. I mean, he he watches Wolf on Wall Street and doesn't realize it's a cautionary tale. Yeah, I wouldn't be that guy. <laughs> yeah, so he sucks so, is what I'm saying. He sucks. Yeah. Um, but Danny is just like kind of letting him do his thing, right? Like she's she's sure. tolerating this garbage. Uh, so I don't necessarily think she's falling for all of it. But yeah. maybe she is young. I guess it also it also should come into question. Are the unsullied as hardcore as we think they are? I think so. I think so. But you know what? People get reputations all the time that that aren't true, right? Kingslayer, uh, you know, if 
the the words that were be to be believed about uh, Brienne and her reputation is that she killed Renly. Right. Well, I think it's something we look at Grey Worm and we're like, oh, Grey Worm is pretty hardcore. But uh, yeah, I I mean, in a in a fight, do the if in a fight with the same amount of people, do the do, do, like ten thousand Dothraki versus ten thousand Unsullied. Who's Ooh, winning? Who's winning? I want to see that total who's, war video game. Who, who's 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 winning? <sighs> I'm gonna pick the Unsullied. I think they're you more think so? organized. Yeah, they also have armor. Yeah. What about what about ten thousand Unsullied versus ten thousand like under Tywin Lannister's command? We'll talk. So we're talking. We're talking like a tr Lannister men that are prepared for battle and are ready to yes. go. And and it's and it's under Tywin's command. I think the Westerosi have gone soft. I I mean, wow. Rob, Stark, Rob Stark is beating Lannister cheeks left and right, and he's just yeah. But those people weren't prepared for war. I'm saying like a, like troops that have been preparing, like ready to go. I don't know, man. I don't think so. I think the Unsullied would would mop them. Really? I do because because the, the Unsullied spent the their entire life being like. Yeah, I, I and also like even in Robert's Rebellion, Tywin still needed bailed out, right? Yeah, you know the the funny thing is in the show, we don't really see how the Unsullied do against, like, like because it really once like once the, all the battles start at the end of the season, it's they focus is more on the Dothraki. We don't really see the like we don't see the Unsullied like how did the how did the Unsullies do against the 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 others. Just about as well as the Dothraki that got destroyed and then showed up again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you know, I mean, they didn't really, they didn't really show that. They didn't really like oh. show that. You're... All right, listen, I don't uh, want to talk about the show, but uh, man, how like just harrowing was it when you saw all those Dothraki run in and just immediately get snuffed out? Like we were like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, like, and then terrible, they just terrible move. Yeah, it was a sweet, just... it was, yeah brought it back yeah yeah any yeah enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Anyway, here on the uh, uh, on the on the unsolid, I do think it's a good point though because it does speak to like unreliable narrators and stuff like that. Because Danny's like, she, I mean, it's it's this kind of weird scene because this guy's talking to a translator. The translator's talking to Danny, and Danny's there there listening to everything he says, and he keeps he is sort of bragging and bragging and bragging. I mean, I'm sure some of it is true. Yeah, it's almost more just of like filtering information through the perspective. Like, because I don't think Danny's lying to us, right? She's not misrepresenting the situation. Like, where Sansa misrepresents the hound's kiss. Like, that legit didn't. Right. Well, we, we think it didn't happen. 
maybe it did happen and then she remembered it right later. We don't know, right? And then that in that regard, it's unreliable. And in this this case, it's like the perspective of Danny having to process information from a guy she probably shouldn't trust. So it's a very difficult yeah. thing. Um, I, I just love this chapter, dude, because like I know what comes next, which is you know the big Danny chapter uh, where we see you know him get burned and then her speak Valerian, and it's just phenomenal. Uh, but this whole chapter is kind of the setup to this, right? And she's getting a lot of good counsel. But here's one thing I wanted to ask you about things that might not be true. Do you feel like Barristan is overselling how many people are still for the Targaryens in Westeros? Yeah, that's a good point. This um, is like this has a, a lot, lot of people. And I but I love what Danny says. She goes, because he's talking about Rhaegar, and she goes, What about my father? And he goes, well, people still remember Ares for the peace. No, they don't. They remember him as the Mad King. He's the Mad King. That's it. That that's it. That's the propaganda machine going. I that's do think. I do. I do think though that there actually would be a lot of people who would welcome the Tar the Targaryens back. Yeah, I think. Uh, so I think there are, especially because people are big fans of tradition. But. I don't know if we're that far removed from the Mad King to he, do said thing. He also the 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 this is one of those things too about the world. Whereas the when Barristan leaves, he leaves with with Joffrey taking over. So very good point. Very when good like point. when he like when he leaves, he's still he's also I think we don't really know. We actually we don't really know if he if he thinks that Joffrey is legitimate or not. But I think you would have to like Barrison still views it as like I served under Robert and Robert kind of sucked. And Barrison was also a like Targaryen loyalist because he he's like, trying to right his wrongs. He is trying right. to write and, and he thinks about his honor a lot in the series. And if, as, I as mean, honestly, and if, any, and if anybody's to blame for the Targaryens losing, it might be Barrison Selmy because hey, uh, he was on that battlefield. Right. <laughs> tread lightly. Okay. I know. I, 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 I still. I'm the one who's, who always says Barrison's the goat. Oh, he is the goat. He's the best. He's the yeah, he's I, the best swordsman. I, 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 think he, dude. I put him above Arthur Dane because I he wish has, he, I wish he was my dad. He has more rings. He has more <laughs> ring. He has more rings than Arthur Dane. Okay. He, okay, he beat, okay. He beat he beat Duncan the Tall. He you know he he's got the most. If you look at the you know, his victories, he has more. His accolades speak for themselves and also the way Jamie thinks about it. I mean, we know Barrison is is certainly um, an amazing fighter. I just wonder if his counsel, like he's trying so hard to redeem himself to Danny that I think he's going to mess up. And, and it's not just this chapter where I feel like maybe he is misrepresenting how many people would be, which I'll come back to that in just a second. But also he is mis, uh, mismoving or mismaneuvering in a dance with dragons a little bit when Danny's gone because he thinks it's um Hesdier or I'm always forget his name, but yeah. Um the preview chapters of Barristan in the Winds of Winter, it seems like he's making some kind of boneheaded moves. And it's not because he's mean or, or evil, it's because he's not experienced Old. in making political decisions. He has been always sitting next to people making political decisions. So it is going to be interesting to see. I think Barrison Selmy will be a tragic figure in the fact that he will fail to regain his honor and maybe even hurt Danny's case a little bit. Now, to what you said about Joffrey, that's a great point. When he leaves the kingdom, it is in civil war. Joffrey has done, you know, you know, sent him away. You can see where the kingdom's going, right? So it's I like even, 
Actually, though, real quick, the Civil War hasn't really hasn't even kicked, kicked off. Yet. It kind of has, but not like he may not know that Balon Greyjoy's declared right. himself, Renly's declared himself, Stannis. You know, yeah. he may not know the the five kings. But in, in in that regard, I mean, when someone lands and says, "Listen, it's only been twenty years since Targaryens were in charge," and look at what these people are doing. Let's put somebody let's let's make, you know, let's make this right. Let's put a Targaryen back on the throne. And unfortunately for Danny, Fagon will be the first person to land with the Targaryen banner in Westeros. And he is going to take that welcoming party. So even if Barristan Selmy is correct, and let's say half of Westeros will rise up for the Targaryen banner, it's going to be underneath Young Griff, which is the the bittersweetness yeah. of it all. Yeah. So I think it's certain it's I think he's more correct in the idea that if Danny had landed when he left, a lot of Targaryens might rise up and say uh, a lot of Targaryen supporters might rise up and be like, okay. Yeah. But where it's at right now, even whether young Griff or not, Danny's claim would be the three dragons that are with her. Cause people would be like legit fearful of, of those. If she came over without the dragons or like, where we're at when the series with you know at the end of dance of dragons where i mean think about where the realm is at the end of the dance of dragon i mean it's in complete disarray right i mean the yeah, the yeah, crown yeah. doesn't even have its power because of the faith like blocking it dude it then, is actually like, crazy to think like the great like the gray joys barely have any power rob stark's dead the sarks are like gone the north like, is going into civil war essentially i mean it is stannis a... stannis is like so far stannis has been gone for a long time out of storm's here. end i mean it's i mean the realm is incomplete the really the only sort of like people in power at where we're at right now at the, the end of dance dragons is like somewhat the lannisters <laughs> like just because yeah. they happen to have the throne dude honestly i can't wait till we get into dance i i think dance is such a good book ah oh, man i can't wait like there's so much, there's so many details that we're going to go over with the fine tooth comb that we're going to, we're going to find things by the way. Like when oh, we 100%. get there and we do this chapter by chapter read and that close read that I do, I'm telling you, we're going to find stuff and that's yeah. exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it, it's going to be crazy. Um, because a lot of this stuff, especially Danny is a much bigger role in like some, some oh, of the yeah. books you kind of forget about it too, because like I say, like when you're reading this book, like Danny was a, was a character. So I had, when I, my, my first initial read, um, I sort of got bored with certain characters because you're reading their POV to where I actually wanted to skip and be like, I don't care about this person. Like I want to skip. Um, and Danny is one that I think she is the, in some ways the worst POV character. And in some ways she's the best. If you only read her POV, she's like the best, but, she's tough to read because sometimes you sometimes you have to go 10 chapters before you can get another one so it feels so it feels like far removed from itself let alone being far removed from the content yeah i've always just found um it kind of awe-inspiring that george was able to literally set up an entire country and city and its political schemes with history and culture and in um you know war and all of this stuff and one and really it's in the dance with dragons like it's all in that book and it is crazy he was able to do that because it actually feet marine actually feels different than westeros it doesn't feel like westeros with a skin on top of it it actually has a tangible difference even the way in people speaking is different 
Uh, it's just, in my opinion, I, I think it's really, really impressive. I also think that George is doing a lot of really interesting things with Danny um, and takes, takes very, very good care of her character. Even so a lot of people slam George for like his voyeuristic sex scenes and the sexual content of his books. And, and the one example that people always use, of course, is Danny and Drogo in book one. And it is in, I don't know what to say to that, to be honest, because it's a right. tough scene to get through. Right. Um, but I thought this, the scene in this chapter is very indicative of what Danny is going through as a, you know, six, 15, 16 year old girl who is being, you know, treated like a queen and a woman. And that is her, you know, coming into her own and, and, and appetites right. are awakening that haven't been awake in a long time. And obviously she did not go through her life uh, in the standard way. Uh, she was forced into a marriage with Drogo, forced to mate with it. You know what I mean? And it, it is, yeah. it's no, you're coming right. out, the damage of that is coming out in this scene, but it's also her taking for the first time, really, you know, that into her own hands and her choice. So right. I think, I think that it, George gets a lot of flack for, it, but I actually think they're good scenes. I think he does good things with them. And this is one of the good ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. So actually some of that, like the, you know, the sexual stuff in this chapter because of the way it bookends with her being like, all right, I am going to get this army in a way like it is. It's kind of a transition because mm -hmm. some, so a lot of the stuff, what happens to Danny is, I mean, like you said, with her relationship with Drogo, I mean, a lot of the main characters, especially the female characters all go through like, unwanted sexual uh it you know yeah. like it's forced on them you know like with danny we often forget about the fact that like mm -hmm. she was basically taken by Rhaegar or uh, taken by cal drogo in that opening scene because she ends up loving him so people like always kind of forget that opening scene where it's like she wanted nothing to do with that it's very so rough yeah yeah but it's because she ends up sort of loving it. So I think when we think of the show, it's like the first one is the Sansa one, but the same thing totally happens to Danny, but she just ends up falling in love. Um, even though in a way you could, she's totally, what's the word? Uh, Stockholm syndrome. Well, no groomed, right? It's like, yeah, guess, I mean, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cersei, the same thing too. She does not want to be in that marriage with Robert. And she talks about like, well, Robert, climbed on top yeah. of me and you know there's nothing like there was nothing i i could do um obviously hers is even slightly different too because she went into that first night being like okay excited this, and willing right and this and then she's he said liana nope totally ruined the whole thing yeah but here in this chapter with um with eerie right like eerie sort of wakes up in the middle of the night and she's like i'm gonna do whatever my queen wants because danny's already kind of taking care of herself and then eerie wakes up and goes along with it and then danny yeah. right and then danny feels regret from it and then she often she also thinks about like who's that mysterious person she's thinking about right like a younger mysterious shifting face that's where a lot of people think oh that could be john snow she's thinking about right other people saying could be Euron because it talks about a man without a face and you know you're oh my god magic i, I saw that like oh a faceless man like no i don't think so um but in this chapter, Danny's also like, you know, she's thinking about Drogo, Cal Drogo, her love. And then she's sort of, you know, by herself. 
And then at the end of this, now she's going to take an army. So there is like some transition of her in this, in this chapter, like becoming more of like the dragon, I guess. Yeah. Becoming more assertive. And, and also one of the reasons that that kind of leads into this scene is she's thinking about Jorah and how Jorah kissed her. And even though she she, she was, she didn't like it, but she said it kind of awoke something she hadn't felt since Cal Drogo. And I don't know if that was like a reminder that she can still call shots. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, there's something there. There's something to this. I don't think George just wrote a scene where he's like, oh, man, I bet the date people would like to see Danny, like, you know, do this. <laughs> I think I think there's purpose behind it. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, you know, it is written in almost a very uh, prototypical romance novel way. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably on purpose for commercial purposes, but I, I do think that it goes along with her character here, and and she does become more assertive and taking yeah. control of things. And we see that even more so in Marine, where she's having all these decisions, and that the only decision she feels like she can make is the one with Dario, and right. it's a bad, it's not a very good decision to be honest with you, but it's one that she wants to make and and be definitive on as she struggles to make decisions about Marine in the meantime. So I think all of her like sexual escapades or questions about herself very much do tie into the person that she's becoming and who she expects to be and kind of sees it as a reprieve from her responsibilities. And again, she's super young and has had a traumatic past. So it's just all, um, it's all going into the cake. That is Danny's character arc. Yeah. Let me read this last bit here. Okay. Which is, it's like the last, like block, like we were, you said earlier, the, the paragraph. So good. Tell, tell me then, when he touched a man on the shoulder with his sword, what did he say? Go forth and kill the weak or go forth and defend them. At the Trident, those brave men Viserys spoke of who died beneath our dragon banners. Did they give their lives because they believed in Rhaegar's cause or because they had been bought and paid for? Danny turned to Mormont, crossed her arms and waited for an answer. The wheels are, uh, so this is a note, you know, the wheels are turning in her head. She knows what she's going to do from this moment on. I think uh, this makes you know this makes sense as she offers the Unsullied their freedom before she attacks Asipur. Yeah, such a good quote. Yeah, yeah. You know, so then the funny thing is, Jora says, "My queen, the big man said so." Or all you have, all you say is true. But Rhaegar lost in the Trident. He lost the battle. He lost the war. He lost the kingdom, and he lost his life. His blood swirled down river with the rubies from his breastplate, and Robert the Usurper rode over his corpse to steal the Iron Throne. Rhaegar fought valiantly. Rhaegar fought nobly. Rhaegar fought honorably, and Rhaegar died. Wow. Someone knows the cost of the Game of Thrones, by the way. Like Jorah is spitting straight facts, whether or not he's a creep, which he is. He has the right of it. Yeah. Like Rhaegar did everything that that was considered the right thing to do, even though history has now been rewritten to say that he kidnapped Lyanna. You know, Jorah is Mm -hmm. actually kind of hinting that Rhaegar was in the right on this one. And it doesn't matter because now he's vilified as being a, you know, essentially a predator, you know, that he, he captured Liana and, and raped her and all this stuff. And Robert was the knight in shining armor. When in reality, you know, Rhaegar was Prince Charming, truly. Right. And was destroyed. We, yeah. You know what else is kind of interesting here, too, is Jorah says at one point, there was no higher honor than to receive your knighthood from the Prince of Dragonstone. Which is funny, considering he was knighted on the battlefield by Robert Baratheon. Well, he has no love for the Starks and the Baratheons because they're the ones who kicked him out right. of Westeros. 
And the whole reason he's over there is for slaves. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just really messy, isn't it? Like, like Jorah's over here. Like, you shouldn't be taking these slaves. Like, Jorah, what? <laughs> yeah. Remind me again how you got here. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and I do love the idea that you know she looks into Barristan's face and she's like, "This is a good man with a good face." And then she immediately thinks of Jorah and is like, "Why does Jorah hate him so much? Like, is it because another man wants me?" And then like every time she talks to Jorah and Jorah forgets himself and says Daenerys instead of your grace, and she corrects him and she's like, "If you if you really you know respected me, you wouldn't have kissed me." And it's just like you see her pushing back. Right. Instead yeah. of like letting these things happen to her, she's pushing back slowly. And man, do here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jorah, out of Jorah and Barristan, I prefer Barristan greatly. Jorah is a creep. Jorah is giving the better advice, I think. He is saying, Yeah, go live don't don't die on these hills and then barristan is over there saying oh no like they're all going to be there waiting for you they're they're waiting for you and then you know we get the marine and barristan's mismanaging stuff and yeah. it's like in a, man jorah in a way really mismanage much in a way you can see their own personal ambitions still coming yeah. coming oh. through that big for sure because jorah is definitely been, been sort of put on blast once Barristan shows up, even though yeah. how does he not know that that's Barristan sell me? I just I never feel met like him. He does. And then he's, but just, he's just yeah. Being coy. Yeah. That's one thing I actually did prefer in the show or that it's like, Oh, that's Barristan sell me like kind of like that. Well, uh, if you're it, reading this for the first time, that's a pretty cool reveal. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but still. Like, it's literally this guy that was in book one that was dismissed. And then, you know, sudden, now there's, now there's something that would be, God, it'd be so interesting to find old forums. Man, maybe if we could, if we could look for that, like to find yeah. like old, like forum, because Ooh, they'd be, they'd be all talking about the same things that we're talking about now. With like, who's the ghost of high heart and who's this other thing. And who's the, to see like what people thought, like to go back and see like people being like, Arson's totally embarrassed and sell me. You know what I mean? Like, cause that yeah, would have Connington or, or somebody. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, John, John Connington didn't, I don't think he existed as a character. He hasn't, we haven't, we've ever, he's ever been brought up. Have we he? heard his name? I don't think we've heard his name. I'm looking, at this. I'm looking right now. When is he first mentioned? Yeah, that's a good question. He maybe were mentioned at some point, but we definitely never... is mentioned in a dance of dragons for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Say he's like, a, yeah, yeah, totally not even. Dang, not even mentioned. I, I, I thought maybe that would be the the person people would. Uh, hmm, dang. Yeah. So, but then itself, that would be interesting. But anyway, because Jorah, you can see now, you almost do begin to see a little bit of like franticness in him. Where, because mm -hmm. remember, he is still spying, right? You know, like, I mean, that's, that's, Danny hasn't found that out yet. That, that's the, that, that's the, the case. So, you, you, I feel like you're beginning to see a little bit of the cracks in his armor where he feels like in some way he's, he's kind of rushing her a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like you said, they both do sort of offer her. They both do offer offer her bad advice. And then when Tyrion comes over, uh, you know, Tyrion do the same thing too. So yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I I don't but know. We think, if any we, think are... we think Tyrion will. Yeah, and also they're all using Danny for their own purposes. I mean, Jorah wants a beautiful bride again, right? He and he wants to get back to Westeros. You have Barristan, someone who needs to regain his honor, and then you have Tyrion, who is just straight up down for some vengeance. You know what I mean? Like no one's yeah. actually going to Danny and believing in her. 
uh, wholeheartedly. They all have ulterior Dario motives. Dario too. Yeah, Dario as well. I mean, for sure, Dario. So it's just, oh, God, poor Danny, dude. What a sympathetic character. Yeah, that's why I love actually where she's at right now, where she just flies off on Drogon. You know, and... if that's the end and we never get another Danny chapter, God bless her. No, no, because I do think she's going to come, you know, to her own thing, which is, I, you know, we talked about before, her ending is going to be so, so, so different. So I, st I still believe that her end is going to be saving Westeros, but she dies in the process. Yep. I think she'll be the unsung queen. Unfortunately. And then she and then she will be loved. She'll be like they'll make a statue of her or something, and she will be a loved loved queen. Totally opposite than the show. Completely, hundred percent, like <laughs> complete one eighty. <laughs> she will be the 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 true savior, and perhaps and perhaps you know Lightbringer or Zora High or. Yeah, and the cool thing is that that stuff will actually have a way to be answered in the books. I'm not saying he's going to, George is going to say, and then that was Lightbringer. Like, he's not going to say that, but we'll have a much better idea than, like, people being like, oh, it was Drogon burning the Iron Throne. That was Lightbringer. Like, no, no, yeah. no, thank you. I appreciate it, but thank you very much. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll wait for old Georgie Porgy to finish her up. Yeah, another thing that's uh, kind of interesting about this chapter is at one point Artisan says that it's been thousands of years since slaves have been in Westeros in a time before the old gods and new. Is that just like a one-off line that George just hmm. threw in there? Is that something about the way Artisan actually, you know, slash Barristan knows about the history of Westeros? Because that's about the only time we've ever heard about slaves being in Westeros. And in a time before the old gods and new. So that's just kind of a weird, like, no, there's no real more lore to that. But that's just, so is he just misremembering? Is he just saying something to say it? Yeah. Good question. We, we, I don't know. Cause I can't find it. I have, I, I searched and I couldn't find anything else on it. Might be a throwaway line. Feels like yeah, a throwaway line. Might just be a throwaway line. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. Did you have uh, any, anything specific on this chapter, Jimmy? Otherwise, I can just kind of start going through it a little bit here and pulling up some highlighted stuff. If you had some other big talking no, points, no, you, wanted, I, you, you know, I think talk about? the main, the main big things. You know, I mean, a lot of this is introspective from Danny and getting stuff translated from Asande and 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 you know, her reflecting on her decision she has to make and whether or not she wants to use these slaves, which is where she becomes the breaker of chains. So, um, it's a it's a very formative chapter. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and a lot of this does have to do with slavery. And again, a lot of this really—you got to talk about—is it Krasnas? Is I, I think that's Krasnas. Yeah. I think is yeah. how uh, Roy Detree says it in the uh, in the audio book. I'm trying <laughs> Can't to trust him. I know. Yeah, which is like it's K R A Z, and you know, and and N Y N Y S, Krasnas uh, um, or whatever. Anyway, um, you know, so you look at some, you know, some of the things, and he's just a total jerk you know his, his entire time you know tell the westerosi whore to lower her eyes you know you know the slaver you know complained about her ideal in meat not metal the this bronze is not for sale tell her to look at the soldiers you know even the dim purple eyes of sunset can savage uh of a sunset savage could see how magnificent my creatures are surely talking about it and then um you know so that's a lot of that stuff is here and then he does as we talked about i talked about the numbers a little bit earlier a lot of this chapter is going over exactly how these unsullied are are trained you know the training is most rigorous only one boy in three survives it this is well known among the unsullied is said that on a day they win th their spiked cap the worst is done with for no duty 
that will ever fall to them could be as hard as their training. Uh, so it is said about the Unsullied. That's I think <laughs> I think I think that's the thing to take away here. I don't think the Uns Unsullied are as hardcore as we believe they are. Not to say that they aren't, and they're still probably the most legit trained army we've seen. But I don't yeah. think they're like super soldiers like we sort of believe they are. They're not immortal. And also, I thought it was interesting that they're drinking this wine. Like, it's this like dark shade wine and stuff. Like, I don't remember that being in the show. I might be incorrect, but I think that's a book only thing. Is what? Uh, he talks about how they they drink the dark shade wine or whatever. Like, that they're kind of like, like, how are they able to do this? And they're like, they're dosed with this dark shade wine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very specific drink. Yeah. Um, let me see some other kind of interesting things too. Yeah, so much of this is just is just talking about uh, how the how the unsullied are trained. Uh, it's a long chapter, but a lot a lot of that is. It's a lot, a lot of, of details, this. but like I think we hit on all of the big character moments for Danny, which it is. It is very much other than world building. It's it's very much a Danny character chapter. Yeah. Um, let me pull up some other steer. Uh, too. I was going to try to find the, the part where she talks about. Um, so she talks a little bit about her brother. You know, my brother visited Pentos, Mir, Bravos, near all the free cities, the magisters, and, uh, you know, fed him wine and promises, but his soul was starved to death. A man cannot sup from the beggar's bowl all his life and stay a man. I had my taste in Karth. That was enough. I will not come to Pentos bowl in hand. Yeah, so some of that too, that like be a dragon, Danny, you know, you we kind of forget about that too because we just sort of think about oh, she's her whole deal is going back to Westeros and we often think about Danny as like a Westerosi person, but she's really not. Yeah, she's Danny's, Danny's entire life is in Essos. Yeah, she really doesn't know what and doesn't have a lot of recollection about like where these places look like the place that she's going to and she does think about this in the series how like the place she's ruled she's barely been mm-hmm yeah then better uh better to become a beggar than a slaver artisan said the uh there's there speaks one who has been neither danny's nostrils flare do you know what it's like to be sold squire i do my brother sold me to cal drogo for the promise of a golden crown well drogo crowned him in gold though not as he had wished and i and then you know she takes a breath my son and stars made me a, made a queen of me but if he had been a different man i might have been much otherwise do you think i've forgotten how it felt to be afraid Whitebeard bowed his head your grace i did not mean to give offense only lies offend me never honest counsel danny patted hmm. artisan's spotted hand to reassure him i have a dragon's temper that's all you must not let it frighten you I shall try and remember, Whitebeard smiled. He has a good face and a great strength to him, Danny thought. She could not understand why Sir Jorah mistrusted the old man so. You know, could it be that he's jealous, right? You know, and then she mm -hmm. goes on to think of, then she goes on to think about the kiss. Yeah, and the kiss is a reoccurring theme and it'll continue to bother her. Yeah. I think she's tired so. of people taking from her. Yeah, I, I I do as well. So, um, okay, I think that's all the notes I have uh, for for this. Let me see. Okay, I do have a little bit more here. So, uh, another some other good quotes. There's a savage beast in every man, and when you hand that man a sword or spear and send him forth to war, the beast stirs. Hmm. Uh, then Ian, Ian Glenn does do he they does read that line verbatim in the show, um, and it's you know pretty great. Um, the first few paragraphs 
are sort of like an emotional roller coaster. First, I was thinking, oh, yeah, a Danny chapter. Then I read about the harpy and I was like, oh, here we go. You know, because uh, it does <laughs> it does become a much more emotional chapter here. Um, some other things kind of interesting. Strong Bellwas was seated on a massive, um, you know, thing eating a great haunch of brown roasted meat. Dog, he said happily when he saw Danny. Good dog and Astapor, a little queen eat, you know, and he's like eating dog. Uh, you know, he's talking about the food, but it suggests that Bellwas is actually Danny's dog. You know, that plus the talk about the unsullied being dogs recalls our dear old friend Sandor Clegane. At first, he seemed like a good and obedient dog. He told Sansa that he wasn't afraid of a mob during the ride at King's Landing, but then he was afraid of the fire and he ran off. Now we're told the unsullied don't fear, but what if they do experience fear later on? Perhaps they'll fear the sons of the harpy, seeing as how they weren't trained for that kind of fighting. Wouldn't that Oh, be I something? like that. that, that that's Wouldn't, an interesting thing wouldn't it be something if they turned craven it seems barrison is saying loyalty would be better than discipline hmm. but i think danny earns their loyalty which is why danny frees them i think you're right and i think danny knows that she has to earn that and and she's doing the right thing and like also let's let's you know danny could do what a lot of people do and whenever like she's been sold and bought she could then perpetrate that onto the next person, right? She, well, now I'm in power. Now I'm entitled to do those terrible things. And she chooses not to. And I think that shows like the goodness in Danny's character, like as a person. And I think that's why I have such a problem with her going mad queen and like burning down King's Landing. Um, the, 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 I mean, there are a few ways it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but like these are the things that make me think, okay, that's probably not the way we're going to go with that character. Yeah, which is why I will, st I will still say this about the about the mad mad Danny character. I don't have a problem with Danny going mad in the show. I don't. I don't. It's not the route I would have went with the character. But do I think that like the show version of her, there's enough backstory and stuff like that for happen? Yeah, because that's the way they went with her character. And there's like some people were like, it just felt like a total 180. It's definitely not. It's no, definitely they it in season four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see, you see it happening slowly and slowly and slowly over time. We'd need a lot more to get to that in the books. I think I think uh, there's still a way to do it in the books if it were to be the end point, because I think what we just touched on a little bit ago about her not being a part of this land that she's supposed to rule. And then she gets there and they have taken in Griff and not her. And you know what I'm saying? Like, she's like, well, I don't even care about these people. Like they don't they they are not acknowledging all these amazing things I did in Essos. Like, I, th I still think that there's a, there's a path there in the books but i just don't think that's where this character ends up i I'm, I'm with you thinking that she sacrifices herself most likely against the others i think danny john others like that's the triangle that's the, yeah. the key to the series agreed agreed okay all right well with that i think that's the episode for today uh we want to thank you for playing the game of thrones in our next episode we will be discussing a storm of swords brand two unless we get a teaser trailer in the meantime because i will definitely pop on back for that and i think it's coming soon i think it's going to come within the next week i'm pretty sure yeah i honestly yeah. wouldn't be surprised if we get it today i'm recording this on wednesday i think last time they just dropped it on like some random thursday morning well, we might be back. It might be back tomorrow. I never know. <laughs> so we'll see. 
Yeah. Uh, hey, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com or bendthenepodcast.com. Exactly. And remember, we will be in brand two next week. So if you guys are listening and you want to send us your thoughts, we can include those in the episode about the stuff you thought about that chapter. If you want to read ahead of time. So with that, we will see you next time. And remember that winter is coming. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.